Hello, and welcome to the Hella Nerdy Podcast. It has been nearly three weeks since the senseless murder of George Floyd here in Minneapolis. Three weeks since the systematic racism which has permeated the foundations of this country since its inception once again reared its insidious head, resulting in the death of yet another black man at the hands of those who have been sworn to serve and protect. In that time, the inevitable outrage and sadness from our community and communities all over the country and the world has brought into light the horrible, dehumanizing reality of what it means to be black in America. For those of us privileged enough to have never known this reality, it is no longer good enough to stand by and simply watch as the institutions that this country is built upon suffocate and subjugate black and brown people with impunity. Justice must be done, but justice alone is not enough. It is not hyperbole to say that we as a nation are teetering on the brink of collapse, and there are those who would facilitate that collapse as a means to their own personal gain. We must not allow that to happen, and it starts with admitting to ourselves that we are all at fault for allowing the roots of racism to grow unchecked for hundreds of years. What's done cannot be undone, but it is not too late to bring about change. Listen to the oppressed and learn from them. Advocate for those less fortunate and help lift them up. Talk to the young people and teach them about the true history of our country. Act, not in your own self-interest, but in the interest of others who for far too long have been victimized by those in power. Silence is complicity, and we must not remain silent. For George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Tamir Rice, Philandro Castile, Eric Garner, and the countless number of black people who have needlessly lost their lives, we will continue to say your names because black lives matter. Thank you so much for supporting this show and for supporting one another. Welcome to episode 42 of the Hell and Nerdy Podcast. I am Adam, and with me as always is Andy. Hello. Hello. Um, and we are back. Uh, it's been a while. Not too long. It's been a few weeks, but um, how are things, man? <laughs> for you, personally. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> things for me personally are going pretty good right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing well, thanks. Yeah, I've had some, some much-needed downtime. Uh, kind of a long, long weekend took took the day off yesterday to nice. just have like a mental health day. And, uh, yeah, no, I'm feeling, I'm feeling good today. How about you? How are you doing? Cool. Yeah. Not too bad. Not too bad. It's been, uh, it was a pretty relaxing day today. It's been a pretty relaxing week overall. Um, you know, with everything going on in the world right now, it's trying to find, trying to find those pockets of space, right? Yep. It's just trying yep. to find those pockets of space. So, you know, from that standpoint, you know, um, it helps obviously having my family around and being able to, uh, enjoy them uh you know fighting with my the chain on my kid's bike that's kind of where my (laughs) my focus was today um which was nice did you win did you win the fight you still fighting it it's a draw at the moment it's a draw all right um i've been not stand still i've been knocked down a couple times but i knocked i knocked it down a couple times um so we're gonna see we'll uh, we'll pick it up again for round four tomorrow we're gonna see how the late rounds play out here yeah exactly exactly all right. Well, um, you know, as as everyone knows, and as it doesn't really need to be explained, obviously, 
Um, the state of the world at the moment is uh, not great. Um, and so, you know, we, we wanted to take a little time off. We wanted to sort of step away from doing this for, for a little bit, just, you know, because it really didn't make sense for us to do it. It just didn't. Um, it, made, it made more sense for us to, uh, like I said, step away and reflect on things and try to um, just really reconcile, reconcile ourselves with the way things are going. And, and, and uh, I, think it's been, I think it's been good for reflection purposes, for the purposes of, you know, understanding I shouldn't say, well, yeah, I guess understanding is kind of the way I want to put it. Just sort of just for understanding, um, you know, um, uh, I think a lot of us have dealt with, uh, things in our own ways and all that kind of stuff. And it's been, it's been a tricky time to, to maneuver even in your own head, I think from, from day to day, from, from hour to hour and stuff like that. So, um, I, I don't know. Do you have anything you want to add to, you know, what's been going on just sort of like, with you guys in your head and stuff like that. I mean, I think, I, yeah, I think a lot of it is, uh, is the same as what you said, you know, just trying to focus on understanding, doing a lot to listen. Um, you know, I think the, when, when you and I were initially talking about, you know, kind of taking a quick break, just based on what everything was going on, you know, uh, at the time it was because, you know, we were right in the middle of, you know, not only just a massive pandemic, but also we had, um, riots going right. on, um, right. you know, outside of peaceful protests and we still have protesting going on. Um, but the, the rioting has kind of settled down a little bit. And, uh, you know, even though that was like, uh, let's see, like this, the second day of rioting, I think it was about four blocks South of where I live right now in my apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that was pretty scary. Just a lot of like being able to smell smoke because they, you know, there the people burned down the, the post office and uh um you know we're around the fifth precinct and hearing you know helicopters and sirens all over the place just very scary just a very mm-hmm. scary place to be um but i think we also wanted to you know you and i both talked about wanting to um have as much respect for what was going on um and it just didn't feel like having a having a podcast episode was going to be the same yeah and so we wanted yeah we just wanted to respect that and uh give it the attention that it deserved and and still do um but uh i yeah i'm i'm feeling like there have been it's been a pretty wild you know unpredictable time and and the thing i keep kind of telling people or, or hearing from people too is just like the amount of stress and you know, fear and anxiety that's going on in our everyday life right now is pretty unprecedented. And, uh, I think it's important that we take that time, you know, for ourselves to, to kind of, you know, kind of come to grips with it, feel our feelings and, uh, you know, be able to, to come back and, you know, be present for one another. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You know, I I think a lot of times on, we've, we've often talked about this show, um, especially when, the pandemic really t- started here and, and we started doing these shows remotely and stuff like that. Um, we've talked about this show being a distraction um, and a, and a healthy distraction. And I hope it, I hope it still is for people. Um, I guess the caveat for me is that, you know, while I, while it is a distraction, while I hope it's a, a good distraction for people. Um, it, it can't be a, I, I don't want it to be a thing where <laughs> uh, we lose sight of, of all the things going on. Um, 
where it, nothing is nothing has been solved by any stretch of the imagination just because you know things have quieted down um we're only you know things have only really just begun um as far as as far as healing and and trying to trying to turn things around um not only in our own community here in in, in Minneapolis but you know all over the country and and quite frankly all over the world so um <clears throat> you know We'll continue to have conversations about it on this show from time to time. I know that's not necessarily what people come here to listen to, but by the, by the same token, you know, it would be um, it would be disingenuous and it would be um, kind of ridiculous for us not to to bring these things up. Um, we well, and I think it's important to note too that one of the things that we talk about consistently, and one of the reasons why this show started was because we were talking about all the things that we are nerdy about or that we nerd out about, and nerding out about something is just as just another way of saying that I'm passionate when I speak Absolutely. about it. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, what better, uh, what better subjects to talk about nerding out over or to be passionate for than black lives matter. And just, you know, where we are right now as a, as a people, as a society. Um, you know, I think that's something that's definitely worth nerding out over. Yeah, um, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. All right. Well, um, now that we've, you know, we've, we've said our piece and we're, you know, we're going to, we're going to continue on with the show. Let's do what we always do here at the start of the shows and talk about our beers tonight. Beers. Um, beers. Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to you go ahead first since uh, yours is an oldie, but goodie. It's, it's a rerun. <clears throat> the rerun. I'm doing, I'm doing a recap. This is the last. This is the last beer in my fridge. Uh, hey, that <laughs> is totally understandable. And I was spending so much time uh, uh, on the couch, uh, just mentally uh, recovering this weekend, watching Shira, that I didn't have time to go out and buy more beer. So I'm once again drinking the Devil's Companion, uh, London style porter from uh, local brewery Insight Brewing Company. Nice. Very tasty, easy, easy drinking. Not even mad that it's a, a take two. No, you know? no, I could think of way worse to have to have over again. Yes, <clears throat> the, you were talking about. I'm, I'm really curious about your beer though, because this is a, this is one I've never heard of before. You've never, you never, you have never had before either. Right? I've never had it before either. And and one of the things I'm going to try to do um, in subsequent episodes here is find beers from places that are not here uh, in in Minnesota. Um, maybe some Wisconsin stuff. We, we know that Drecker's obviously in, in North Dakota and all that kind of stuff, but trying to expand my horizons a bit, mm-hmm. um, for breweries you know, that we, yeah, a little, exactly. Just breweries that breweries that we don't usually uh, feature here on the show. So, uh, I found a beer that we're going to do some Coors. We're going to have some <laughs> Miller. <laughs> uh, I have a funny story. I'll tell you in a second here, but, um, so this beer is called home style. Um, it is an Oded IPA, uh, f- from a, a brewery called Bearded Iris Brewing in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, that's and, just fun to say. Yeah, Bearded Iris. Yeah, that's Bearded fun. Iris Brewing. <laughs> B-I-B. We're going B-I-B. to Bib. We're going to Bib. We're going to Bib. <laughs> um, it's quite excellent, I have to say. Um, I'm not 100% sure what they mean by oated. I mean, obviously, they're they're brewing it with oats, but I, I'm not sure exactly what that, what that process looks like you know, in the context of an IPA. But... Um, yeah, that's what I was kind of curious about because it's, I, I guess, typically uh, when I think oats in a beer, I'm thinking of something that's a little bit stockier, a little bit 
heavier, like a like an oat oat milk stout or something like that. Yeah, or even even the other way, and thinking about like a lager or something like that, where it's sure. like you know that kind of a beer, mm-hmm. a very very light beer. But um, this IPA is really really good. It's made only with mosaic hops, and if you know anything about mosaic hops, you know that they tend to be very uh, very uh, juicy, very uh, tropical fruit, very citrusy kind of kind of thing, and it's really really good i was saying before we started the the show that it's right in between what i would typically uh, think of as a west coast ipa and what we've been having lately which are the hazy ipas or the new england ipas um because it is on the softer side as far as like it's it's not i wouldn't call it pillowy or soft you know that soft but it's softer than a regular west coast ipa but it's not quite as hoppy it's a little bit on the juicier side but it's really clean like it's a really clean sort of citrusy um, sip when you take when you when you drink it, and it's perfect for this time of year. It's so so good. It's only six percent, so it's not like heavy on the alcohol. So you're not. You could getting, have a few of them. Yeah, you're not you getting enjoy a couple on your on your patio. Totally. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. It, and it is perfect for that. It's perfect for you know sitting outside on the on the patio and and enjoying the day. So um, I really really like it. Um, I'm hoping to try some other things from this particular brewery. The guy at the liquor store said they should be getting some more in. So nice. I'll have to check it I'm out. I'm into too. it. So I'm going to get some of the bib. Yes. Pick up the bib. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, the story I wanted to tell was my, uh, one of my younger sisters was nice enough to put together a very nice gift basket for me uh, for my 40th birthday a few yes. weeks ago. Happy birthday, and, by the way. Thank you very much. And uh, as a joke, <laughs> so this, this basket had, Everything it had a uh, Willet bourbon and Calvados and loaded. meat and cheese and all sorts of great, great beers. And as a joke, because she knows I can't stand it. They, they slid like a Miller high life in there or whatever it was. Not even a high, it wasn't even a high life. It was like a, I think it was like a, like Miller a, lime light, or like a regular those. Miller light oh, or something okay. like that. Okay. Well, so, you know, I don't know if that's necessarily the last beer that I would want to drink, but <laughs> no, that is pretty awesome. Yeah. I mean, especially in like a really nice, yeah uh, gift basket you know like <laughs> yeah. you, you don't typically find a lot of people catering or you know having gift baskets with miller miller Light yeah no it was pretty good it was pretty good in amongst the brie and the uh <laughs> yeah. the jamon serrano you know <laughs> i'm sure i'm sure it pairs really well with some of those you know it's a nice kind of like uh chaser or like yeah. a nice uh opener <laughs> exactly yeah. i exactly. still i there's still this part of me that's like you know what I, you know, I love craft beers. I love mm-hmm. drinking the, the micro brews and, mm-hmm. and going to the brewers and everything like that. But every once in a while, like being at like a tailgate or some kind of some party or a barbecue or something, if there's like a nice cold, ice cold Miller or like, uh, I guess I would take Miller over Bud personally, but, uh, yeah, probably even, even like Coors sometimes, which is arguably just water. Um, <laughs> It's not even arguable. It's, not, it's, just, it's just water. <laughs> it's mostly water. Uh, you know, it's kind of it can be very refreshing. Uh, so I don't I don't want to like stick my nose up to the uh, the Coors drinkers, the the PBR drinkers out there in the world. You know, it's like we all have our our, our favorites. Yeah, we make jokes, and I and I, I definitely uh, land a little more on the snobbish side of things for sure. But there certainly is a context in which uh, those beers are are uh, useful. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So I will not argue with you on that. All right. Anyways. Yeah. I didn't want to argue with you <laughs> yeah. right now. Yeah. No arguing. We're not going to argue on this show. Get the positive vibes. Positive vibes. Here. Positive vibes. All right. Well, 
Um, as we have been away for several weeks now, uh, this is going to be a very loaded show. Loaded. So, so strap in. We have a lot to discuss. Buckle we'll, up. We have buckle up. <laughs> you know, uh, make sure that you've got everything tied down um, and you're, you've got se- several beers ready to drink while listening to this. Hopefully not while driving. Drive responsibly. Right. Yep. Um, Maybe a pandemic. But let's yeah. let's keep driving responsibly. <laughs> let's keep driving responsibly. I have friends who are just literally getting in their cars right now and just driving around the city, like it's, just in a circle. It's kind of <clears throat> it's kind of wild. Like I mean, I haven't been driving very much lately. But um, one of the biggest things that's been kind of a contested issue around the city, anyways, has just been people speeding, like yes. ridiculous amounts of speeding, like in residential areas. Yes, um, and even on like my street, which is like you know, it's a, it's a residential back road area. It's I think like 25 miles an hour or something. There's kids that live out here mm-hmm. and people will be like doing like 50 or something down the road. And I'm like, yeah. what are you doing? Like, yeah. first of all, I guess you're brave because there ain't a whole lot of space on my road. Like there's parking on both sides and it's basically one lane. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, like you're, 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 you're playing with, with fire there when you, <laughs> when you start going that fast, bellowing down the street with, you know, one lane. But uh, yeah, I, it, it's just, it's kind of mind blowing. And then yeah, getting out in getting out to actually drive is like a totally different experience now. Right. Yeah. It's weird. It is definitely weird. The couple times I've, I've jumped on the freeway to like, go to a restaurant and pick some food up or, you know, do whatever it's been. It has been really weird. I mean, not that it's not like a ghost town or anything. Like there are people no. out there, but it's, it's, it's different. That's for it's sure. It's apocalyptic. Yeah. <laughs> We're yes. all wearing masks and bandanas <laughs> and stuff. And... <laughs> there, yes. There were, there were multiple cars with flames shooting out of the top and mm-hmm. guys hanging yep. off with spears and stuff. Witness me blood bag. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Shiny exactly. and chrome. <laughs> um, so like I said, it, it's a, it's a, going to be a pretty uh, hefty show today. So lots to get into. Uh, we are, we are going to kick off uh, the show with the pull list this week. Uh, and the first story on the list is our friend, uh, Scott Derrickson, who, you know, uh, directed the the first Doctor Strange movie and was supposed to be directing the second Doctor Strange movie um, until he was replaced. Um, he dropped out. Correct. He dropped. Yeah, I think that's how they said it. Um, creative differences. Creative differences. Yeah, he dropped. So they allowed him to sort of like step aside. Um, yeah. So, anyways, uh, he went he, to a different dimension. He went to a different dimension. Yes. Uh, dimension thirty eight ninety three. I don't know. Is that where Labyrinth is? Yeah. yeah. So he has been tapped to direct a Labyrinth sequel, which uh, pretty crazy. I haven't, so I haven't seen Labyrinth in a really long time. I mean, it's been a while. Probably 25. I watched it after Bowie died. Yeah. Okay. I think that was probably the last time I watched it. Yeah. It's been a really four years. Yeah. It's been much, much longer than that for me. Um, And this feels like a perfect fit for him. I mean, you know, all the reports before he left the Doctor Strange project were that he wanted to go for the first, you know, horror movie, a uh, horror movie in the MCU with Doctor Strange 2. And not that Labyrinth is necessarily a horror film, but you get that, you know, you get that sort of scary vibe and there's kind of that I don't know how you'd want to put that exactly, but it's it, it feels like the right move. Uh, for a guy like Scott, Scott Derrickson, who has a kind of uh, eye for filmmaking that he does. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think like the thing that I'm excited about with kind of the news that this is happening is it's kind of a continuation of what we've seen um, 
becoming more and more popularized again, which is the the like Jim Henson book of of uh, specifically the like puppetry and uh, practical effects. And um, if you watch, you know, any of the like Mandalorian in the Disney gallery stuff, um, you see what they they kind of talk about with you know getting getting some of those puppeteers and a lot of the you know animatronic type stuff going um and then combining that with you know the the special effects the cg stuff um uh it's just really exciting to see it because it's you know it's a lot of, that's that's a lot of the stuff that we fell in love with as as kids you know back in the 80s um even you know yoda was like you know sure. a complete animatronic or, or you know puppet um and uh, there weren't any you know computer graphics really applied to him then but we still see him as this real character right right um you know, and then you've got the prequels where he's entirely CG the entire time, and that's why nobody buys it as a real character. But <laughs> that's just my two cents. No, but, no, it's <laughs> it, it, it's it. I totally agree. It, but it, it speaks to again. I, we talked about this. I think maybe even in the last episode. It speaks to how far out in front uh, George Lucas was on everything, mm-hmm. and it's sort of the inevitable pull, push and pull of things, right? It it you get a brand new technology and you push it to its logical extreme. Yeah, and then you realize, well, maybe that maybe we should be paying more homage to, you know, the, the, the old school techniques and because those techniques were, were highly effective. Well, uh, and, and, and also what, what haven't we pushed yet with right. those, with those. And that's why I think something with, like labyrinth is kind of a perfect next slate for it. Cause if you, if you've seen like the stuff they've done on um, like dark crystal, yes. Um, the, the new Netflix series, like that's a lot of the same stuff we're talking about is taking that kind of like really out there, um, yeah psychological fantasy and throwing it into this kind of new uh medium in a lot yeah. of ways yeah absolutely yeah i mean i'm, I'm excited to see how, how this turns out uh, i think scott derrickson's a good fit um a lot of people have, are wondering who is going to fill david bowie's shoes uh on this if if they even do it I don't if know. they even do it if they even do it a lot of people think they will try um mm-hmm. i i don't know uh the the one name that i was I glommed onto immediately that was being thrown around, thrown around was Lady Gaga. That's um, right. Yeah. Which maybe it's on the nose to a certain extent, but uh, I take not it. Not a bad choice. Not a bad not choice. A bad choice. Yeah. yeah. Goblin King, Goblin Queen. I don't Goblin. know. Yes, I would take it. I think it would, I think it would work. I want uh, to see it. <clears throat> and speaking of other things, speaking of things, I should say that are uh, being brought back because as we know, everything gets brought back these days. Yep. There are no original ideas uh, unless right. you're Christopher Nolan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Disney is developing a live action black cauldron. Yes. Um, I know you were very excited about this. Uh, I think yeah. you shared it on our social media. I'm I, pumped. I don't know that much about black cauldron. Uh, not, I will fully it's not it. a very popular film. I, I honestly haven't seen it. Um, oh, I okay. know, I know about it because of its, I guess it's uh history within like animation and the Disney and the, the Disney catalog in particular, because it's the darkest Disney movie that has ever been made, apparently. Right. And that's why it didn't do so hot, I think, was one of the was one of the reasons why it was kind of not, you know, it's not one of the ones they keep pulling out of the vault to put on Platinum Edition or whatever. Right. You know, right. it's like you pretty much always get the same movies pulled out of the vault and put onto a new Blu-ray or something every you know five years or whatever. But Black Cauldron is one of those films that it's like notorious for being you know, just this really dark uh, fantasy film that was kind of a big risk. And I don't think Disney made very much money off of it. Sure. So the fact that they're doing a live action version of it 
makes me that much more interested um, because, you know, I think when we're talking about everything getting brought back, this isn't one of the first things I would think of in the Disney catalog to yeah. you know, be the next live action thing, but it's dark fantasy and I'm all about that. So yeah, it's certainly more interesting than like, yeah. And no disrespect to you because it's a, it's a classic, but something like Dumbo yeah. or things like that. I mean, the, Pinocchio. Yeah, Pinocchio. Yeah. It's like, okay. I mean, I'm not that interested, but I am intrigued about this. Like for the same reasons that you said, yeah. I know very little about it. And so it, it will be a lot more fresh when it happens. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. Um, Disney is also developing an animated uh, Kingdom Hearts series for Disney Plus. Sweet. Um, yeah, I know you love Kingdom Hearts, so I'd love um, to hear your thoughts on that. I, I mean, it, the fact that it's animated makes me excited alone, but I'm curious, like, what more they're going to add to the storyline. Because this is like one of the most convoluted storylines I have ever, ever seen. And don't get me wrong. I love Kingdom Hearts. Like I've loved Kingdom Hearts since the first Kingdom Hearts came out. Yeah. And I think I was in like maybe fifth grade or something. Um, but it was, it was, uh, it's, it's been such a ride just like following all of the games and the plots and all the characters. Polygon has a really great, YouTube video breakdown of the entire plot of Kingdom Hearts leading up to Kingdom Hearts 3's release. And it's just, it's just ridiculous. It's, (laughs) it's so funny. Um, So definitely check that out. Yeah. But yeah, I want to see the show. I want to see how they're going to get more Disney characters involved in it. And obviously, yeah, where like the Kingdom Hearts characters are going to fit in with, with what the story is. Yeah. It ought to be interesting. I, you know, I think animated television is a, perfect place for video game stuff to happen yes. like yes. you need you need long storytelling you need you know and animation obviously suits it well because you know we've seen it in video game form and that kind of thing so the step up from that and very much akin to you know clone wars and things like that but um <clears throat> yeah really that should be very very interesting because like you say it's super convoluted i don't even play i've never even played that much but even I know from just watching those videos you were talking about and reading today, things, just just open all your over heart. the place. It's just open your heart to it. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> all open right. your heart to Kingdom Hearts. Okay. If, <laughs> if, I, if I must. If I must. Um, <clears throat> so uh, Comic-Con, we talked about uh, San Diego Comic-Con in particular. We talked about it a, a few episodes ago. The obviously, big one. The big one. Obviously canceled uh, this year for reasons. Um, <laughs> wouldn't that be great if that was actually like what their press release was for it <laughs> so uh yeah we're canceled this year for reasons reasons and <laughs> have a nice period. day yeah full stop <laughs> uh the the team at san diego comic-con signed sincerely yours love <laughs> love <SDCC. us. laughs> yeah. so uh they when when they canceled the show they talked about putting on some sort of a virtual event, some sort of an event uh, for that people didn't have to go to, that they could do online, could be streamed online and that kind of thing. But there was very light on details. Um, they shared a little bit more detail, not anything super heavy, but I wanted to read the press, press release because it's, some of it's kind of interesting. So uh, San Diego Comic-Con Convention, uh, the organizers behind the annual comics and pop culture convention, Comic-Con, uh, today shared details for an initiative in the works comic called Comic-Con at Home. Uh, an online event that will combine aspects of the convention experience from with the comforts of home. <laughs> How nice. Uh, circumstances involving the COVID-19 pandemic and California's restrictions against large gatherings have forced SDCC to cancel their 
2020 international celebration, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Moving on down here. What is this? Hold on. I'm having internet issues. So uh, they go on to say uh, plans for Comic-Con include an online exhibit hall uh, complete with everyone's favorite exhibitors offering promotions, specials, and limited edition products unique to the celebration. Uh, As well, Comic-Con at Home promises exclusive panels and presentations about comics, gaming, television, film, and a wide variety of topics from publishers, studios, and more. Um, And as we speculated on the show uh, before, Comic-Con at Home will have a masquerade. Uh, So... You're definitely going to get some some cool cosplay, people doing it at home and stuff like that. So looking forward to that. Uh, gaming and many other activities uh, in which fans can participate from their own homes. So that's exciting. I, I, yeah. I think I think it's going to be a lot of fun. There will be some weirdness, you know, if if you've seen any of the presentations from like the video game companies or, you know, what have you, doing these kinds of pre-recorded things. It's, is, it's the first time for a lot of people. Yeah, it's the first time for a lot of people. It's tricky. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I, a, oftentimes these things are built on crowd reactions and audience reactions and stuff like that. So I am very, I am very intrigued by panels um, and how those will go, how they'll be moderated, um, you know, what the response will be, who will participate as far yeah. as, you know, studios and stuff like that. So um, is there any a lot of Zoom calls? <laughs> yes. It's going to be a lot of people going, uh, can you hear me? It's going to oh, be... I- that for like normally when they were, you know, announce people, you know, presenting or being uh, part of panels and stuff, it'll just be them popping up on zoom conference calls. <laughs> you know, and here we have uh Robert Downey Jr. You know, or whatever. Yeah. Um, and he'll say a bunch of stuff and somebody yeah. will have to go Rob, Rob, Robert, you're, you're Robert. muted. You're yeah. muted, Robert. Rob. Yeah. Oh, oh, ah. Um, so, uh, is there anything you would like to see anything you think we might see, um, as far as like a panel or an announcement or anything like that? Um, I mean, I'm obviously always excited to see anything Star Wars or Marvel related. So uh, anything more from that, obviously, uh, I'm going to be excited for um, no matter how little or how big it may end up being. So, um, yeah, I would I would hope to see some more like WandaVision, some more um, maybe some more Loki, uh, some Thor Love and Thunder, perhaps. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, would be really good. And then, yeah, anything anything related to Mandalorian season two. Um, uh, or season three and uh uh yeah the future of star wars as we know it um yeah i'm I'm pretty excited that it's that it's happening overall it's just super cool of of the people at at comic-con to be um setting this up and really trying to facilitate for the vendors and uh and the fans so. yeah i I have, I have a good feeling about a couple of things one i think You'll see. I think you'll see the big the big companies come out and do something special for this. I think you'll yeah. see the you know Feige and the team at Marvel and the Star Wars guys, like you said, even the DC guys. I think you'll probably see. Yeah, I was gonna say the Batman would be some cool stuff. To <clears throat> see. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, yeah, definitely a Matt Reeves panel would be pretty. Maybe a trailer. Ooh, could you imagine? Mm-hmm. Maybe that'd be pretty cool. Be pretty cool if we got one. Dare but I, I say? Dare I, I dream? Do, I do hope think. To hope. <laughs> I do think you know Comic Con over the last decade or so has become this obviously massive, massive event where uh, the major studios and they, they plan these big things so that they can get that huge audience pop, obviously, and then hold things from the general public and then creep them out and, and sort of get that buzz going. Right. Yep. What better way with an online captive audience that is much, much larger than just the room at hall H in mm-hmm. San Diego. Yeah. You, 
do something cool for the people who, who quite frankly are content starved at this point. Oh yeah. Um, And so many of this is going to kind of, I think, uh, lend itself to what it's going to be like going forward. Right. I think in a lot of ways, you know, we're just going to start to see so many more events that are going to have a much heavier digital presence. Yeah. Um, even going forward when they have, when they're allowed to have a physical presence as well. Um, so that's just exciting. I think. I agree. I agree. Well, I think we're in for some cool stuff. I, I'm, I'm excited for it. And like you say, it, it's nice that they are able to, they're hopefully going to be able to figure out a way to help the people who would be selling things on the floor and all the vendors and stuff like that. And I think you'll probably see a pretty hefty return on people, you know, just wanting to support the artists really. Yeah. Absolutely. And getting in, getting themselves a, a, an SDCC exclusive that they might not have been able to get had they mm-hmm. gone to the show because those things sell out so fast and it's, it's, it's difficult to get those, those kinds of things. So I'm looking forward to it. It should be fun. Um, another thing that I guess should be fun, but I, it just seems like the it's like a bad idea. I don't know. Um, it, so Disneyland and Disney world are set to reopen in July. Um, and obviously there's going to be restrictions, uh, that limited inc- capacity, limited capacity in the park. Uh, they said at Disneyland, and I'm sure at Disney world too, there'll be mandatory temperature tests, uh, mandatory masks. Um, I, I imagine they will be doing everything they can to keep people apart, uh, at a safe you think distance. All the, the Disney characters and mascots will have masks on. <laughs> I mean, they should, I it, like it would, <laughs> you know, for solidarity, solidarity purposes, they should definitely be building. Yeah. Them, but like, I mean, a lot of those characters, like they're, they see through the mouth, you know, like the, right? head, the helmet thing or the, you know, like, so if you cover the mouth with a mask or something, the people aren't going to be able to see it. That's a good point. That's a good Let point. They might, have to, they might have to rethink those heads <laughs> and how they, how they work, but we're just going to see a whole new strand of like, yeah, Disney character mascot outfits just to, just to accommodate COVID masks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it should be, things are reopening right now um, all over the country um, too soon, in my opinion. Um, it sooner seems, than advised, I think. Sooner than advised. It seems like it's turning into a bit of a free for all out there uh, for a lot of people. And um, it's, a, it's pretty, it's pretty frightening. And so no matter what Disney does here, I think they're, I think they're being a little irresponsible when it comes to this. Um, we shall see, I suppose. I understand the bottom line for businesses everywhere, not just huge ones like Disney, but you know, small ones as well. And, and I get it. I really do get it, but eh, I'm not going anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. Know? I think that's kind of the same. I'm, I'm feeling very much that same way. Like, uh, you know, it, I understand where these businesses are coming from. You know, they're, they're, a lot of them are trying to, you know, catch up or just, you know, make whatever they can. Um, but yeah, in a lot of ways, it does feel kind of irresponsible. And me personally, I'm probably just going to stay home and self-quarantine and continue that until it feels like it's actually safe. Yeah. Yep. I, yeah. I have, I have a bad feeling about this fall. Let's put it that yeah. way. <laughs> we should go to Galaxy's Edge just to say, I've got a bad feeling about this. <laughs> and then clink a glass of That's blue it. milk. That's it. And, <laughs> and then run the away i don't know <laughs> well i was talking about uh birthday presents earlier my other sister got me the official galaxy's edge cookbook that's right Super so cool yeah so i'm gonna make myself some blue milk it's gonna so be there's in, gonna be those like frog eel things that jabba eats in return yes, of the jedi i hope and so 
wherever those uh like ration sticks things are that like luke had in his x-wing that yoda eats <laughs> so i think he said i i saw a thing of mark hamill on twitter because somebody asked him about that he said it was like breadsticks pretzels and tic tacs or something in that box like that's what like all the stuff that tic-tacs. was in there yeah there were tic tacs in there apparently because you gotta stay minty when you're fighting yeah you gotta stay minty fresh yeah you know when you're when you're balancing on when you're doing a handstand and trying to lift uh, R2-D2 with your mind, That's make right. sure you have fresh breath. It's very important. Uh, <laughs> speaking of Star Wars related things, uh, let's, let's switch over here and start talking about some Star Wars stuff. Only a few things to talk about uh, on that front, but I guess the, uh, the first big story is that Lucasfilm delayed uh, the release of their High Republic um, content until January of next year. Um, as we've talked about on the show before, uh, that High Republic is supposed to be set, I think it was like, what, 300 years in the past? So Before about, the prequels. Yeah, before the prequels. Yeah. So you get like a 500 to 600 year old Yoda. Saga, yeah. yeah, exactly. That kind of thing. Um, and it was going to be, it's it, at least initially, supposed to be uh, books and comics uh, from a bunch of different creators and stuff like that. Um, Would have been nice to get these uh, a little earlier. It seems like they probably could have put them out, but I guess maybe... It, it, it de- kind of depends on what stage they're actually in as far as uh, production is concerned. Yeah. And I'm kind of curious, you know, I think they always have to be uh, paying attention to how much of this stuff is going to tie into future content as well. You know, we're talking about the, the, the canon verse or the, you know, all new expanded universe. Um, and so, you know, the, even though they're, just, you know, continuing to release books and, and comics and things like that. They have a lot of shows and new movies and things and games that are going to come out um, within the next year too. Um, and I'm just curious how much of it's going to tie together, you know, uh, even if it's something as little as like, you know, we see force healing for the first time in Mandalorian and then we see it again in rise of Skywalker, that kind of thing. Right. Um, maybe there'll be some force healing in the high Republic stuff. We don't know. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Um, it'll be interesting. I'm still looking for, I'm still very much looking forward to it. Um, I do kind of wonder if, if uh, the delay has something to do with the fact that they're planning on something tied into this beyond just the books and the comics, like a show or a movie or something along those lines. So we'll see. We shall see. Um, Last show, we talked at length about the uh, soon-to-be-released Snyder Cut. Um, and we predicted, I believe, on said show that uh, this would lead to a- an outpouring of fans trying to get their favorite thing either remade or recut or re-released in some way, shape, or form. Um, apparently, Star Wars fans, bless them, have started a petition for a four-hour Revenge of the Sith Cut. Your thoughts? Four hours is a bit much. I'm not sure that even half an hour more content is going to save that film. Nope. But <laughs> I'd watch it. <laughs> I mean, because I guess I'll be honest. Not? I would probably watch it too. But I, at the same, by the same token, no, 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 it's, no, no. It's no. interesting because I think, it, and again, <laughs> and again, this is this is just the era in which we live, right? You know, like 15 years ago, 20 years ago, like this would be almost virtually unheard of, right? You know, I mean, maybe there'd be petitions out there, but like petitions with real like attention and <laughs> with real potential for like budgets to happen on behind them. That's, that's kind of the thing that blows my mind about where we're at right now. But um, you know, I've watched, I've watched re-release director's cuts, uh, fan edits of plenty of different films, including star Wars and, 
Lord of the Rings and things like that. Sure. And, you know, at some point you just have to accept that you got what you got. Yeah. And, yep. uh, and then move on and move on from it. Just move um, on. So, you know, if this happens, I'm not going to say I'm not going to watch it because right. for all I know, there could be some really cool stuff that comes out of it, but I'm not holding my breath. Nope. Not even a little bit. Not I'm not even. holding my Vader sound. Because he breathes and he would not be able to hold his breath because he needs that oxygen. He definitely needs that. Or no. he is a burnt marshmallow. Holding, holding his breath is not an option. Under all that armor. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, good. I'm glad we've sorted that out. Uh, um, uh, lastly, on the Star Wars front, uh, we, we know that um, Robert Rodriguez and Peyton Reed, among others, are going to be uh, directing episodes of The Mandalorian Season 2. Uh, it was revealed that Sam Hargrave, uh, who did the, uh, sh- the movie on Netflix called Extraction, That's right, uh, uh, Chris starring Hemsworth. Chris Hemsworth, yep, yeah. uh, is going to be uh, among the various directors working on that season. Um, action. Action. I don't know if you, have you, did you see Extraction? I haven't. I've only watched the trailer. But even the trailer yeah. is like... It's intense. It's just really intense. <laughs> it's real yeah. intense. Um, yeah, my wife and I watched it uh, a few a few weeks back or whatever. But it's super super you liked intense. It? Uh, I it was fine. It, the, yeah. As a as a movie as as a story, it was fine. Um, it wasn't my favorite thing of all time. But what really stood out was just how action packed it was. Yeah, and how intricate the and the the chore- the fight choreography was and the cool. stunt work. Um, yeah, that, that looked really like well done. There was yeah. some even just in seeing like some of the fights with uh, the, that Chris Hemsworth gets involved in. They're, they're pretty brutal. It's brutal. It's very brutal. It's very brutal. It's very uh, intimate and intense. Like it's really, really hard hitting. Um, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Sam Hargrave himself was a uh, stuntman in Hollywood oh. for for a long time. So he comes from that kind of action yes. background and that kind of thing. So Very cool. Um yeah, so I I'm all for it if it means more killer fights in uh in The Mandalorian. Bring we it got, on. Yeah, we got so much good action just from the first season. So uh yeah, if they can amp that up at all, like sign yeah. me up. I'm ready. And just to make it, just to make it more interesting, Sam Hargrave was doing an interview where he claims to know the name of the baby Yoda. <gasps> So apparently we might be getting a name. He might be getting named at some point. I mean, I would, I would hope that they would name him at some point. Some, right. Yeah. Like I, I was like, so. it wasn't going to, they weren't going to call him the child for the entire series. Cause what happens when he's like a hundred years old? I'm like, right. He's gonna be like, I'm real sick of people calling me the child or sorry. He'd be like sick. I am. Yeah. Of people. <laughs> Do you think he would have the weird syntax? I, think- I, I wonder. I think they're going to probably try and play with that as much as possible because I think it's just a Yoda thing at sure. this point. You know, sure. it's just just as much of him being, you know, green and pointy-eared like the <laughs> the speech, I don't want to say impediment, but the speech no. style, the, speech, the, the pattern, dialect, yeah, the pattern, yeah, yeah, is uh is very much uh a part of who Yoda is. All right. So if if he is a clone, otherwise, I think you know there's definitely room for us to be like, well, he was raised by the Mandalorian, yeah. so he speaks like the Mandalorian and just says this is the way. All the <laughs> it would be, I guess, it would be kind of weird to hear any character of Yoda's species just sort of, hey, how's how's it going? <laughs> what, what do you think they're gonna name him? What if they name him something just like totally average, like Steve? Or like Jeff, Dan, you know. (laughs) Well, we know in the Star Wars universe there are no normal names, so 
Luke um, is a normal name. I suppose. Yeah, I guess. I guess. You're ben, right. Ben is a totally average name. True. I, I stand corrected. But even no, though no, that's I, not his real name, you know. I, I stand corrected. I stand, I, no, I well, think, well, Ben Solo. I mean. Yep, exactly. Yeah, I stand yep. corrected. I apologize. Yep. Um, yeah, that'd be pretty funny. Oh, <laughs> pretty funny. I know so many Poe's. Come on. <laughs> they could just go Yoda backwards. You could be Adoy. Oh, Adoy. <laughs> Adoy. Adoy. <laughs> it writes itself. It's too good. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was, over the weekend, I was taunting my son and calling him Nazyarg, which is his <laughs> name back, backwards. <laughs> He's like, don't call me Nasyarg. Anyways, Dad, <laughs> stop calling me Nasyarg. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> that, this is what happens when we're in a pandemic and we're just at home, just doing the same thing uh, all the time. I have to, I have to amuse too myself. Funny, too somehow. funny. Yep. Anyways, uh, moving on to Marvel uh, news. Um, as we know, uh, Agents of Shield is in its final season. Um, uh, from all rep- I'm not watching it, but from all reports, it's going pretty well, actually. It seems like it's pe- being well-received. Um, the uh, showrunners, or the showrunner, I should say there, uh, teased a final MCU crossover um, to come uh, in oh. the series. I have not heard if it's happened yet or if it were what it might be. Um, but again, I, I, I've, we've talked about it a couple times in relation to um, getting Quake involved in the MCU, but I really do hope they, they find a way to strengthen that connection. And, and not just like totally ignore and forget all of that stuff um, yeah. going forward in the MCU because it does count, you know. Well, and I guess, you know, it seems like that's the the route that they're taking, at least with the Netflix series. So, I, yeah. I mean, it, 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 so from what we know so far, you know, things are always subject to change and there's always the possibility that somebody will come along with a really good idea mm-hmm. um, with how to make it work. Um, I don't even know, is, is the, is the uh, uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., timeline like are they still in sync with the mcu at all like is this last season taking place during like end game events no so the last season is actually they've they're they're they've gone back into the past so there's time travel involved here so oh well they've never done that in the mcu <laughs> exactly exactly so they, so my understanding is they've gone back in the past and they're actually having to try to save hydra because having hydra not infiltrate shield messes up the timeline in some way or something like that i i again i'm not watching it so i don't know exactly the, the ins and outs of the story but that would be an interesting story though yeah like we um, have to save the bad guys because it's because in order for us to have the present or our future we need the bad guys to do their thing but then also somebody brought somebody brought this up and it makes it makes sense it actually breaks the that idea if it is truly that idea sort of breaks the time travel rules that were established in Endgame, right mm-hmm. that your past doesn't just immediately become your future yeah. you know that kind of yeah. thing so if you change your past you don't change your future right so listen to professor hulk <laughs> listen to professor hulk this is not hot tub time machine okay. that's not how that works so back to the future is bullshit <laughs> oh so good it's one of the better scenes in that movie i thought oh, yeah really when good. do you think we're gonna get the uh the director's cut or the four-hour edit of back to the future part three <laughs> oh make it happen internet it's never gonna happen make it happen internet come on you know you want it you know you want it (laughs) um one thing three 
the release the re-release of spider-man 3 it's five hours <laughs> it's five hours for grace being like i'm venom it's just one <laughs> long extended dance scene uh- <laughs> oh my god yep, yeah icing on the cake yep exactly exactly um uh, speaking of icing on the cake, uh, when it comes to Spider-Man movies, uh, J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson is just the cherry on top. Um, it, he's perfect, perfect, perfect that role. Very few characters in any comic book movie have been cast more perfectly than J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson. And thankfully, he is going to be back for multiple Spider-Man films in that role. Uh, he uh, confirmed that on, I believe he was doing a podcast interview. Can't remember with who. Um, but he did say, I, I guess they, he hedged it a bit and said they're not obligated to use him in those roles, but he is contracted for more Spider-Man films. So gotcha. um, can't wait. Looking forward to that. Yeah. I remember we talked about like it being a really hard task to recast J. Jonah Jameson. So I'm kind of glad that they didn't. <laughs> I'm they were just like, you know what? Let's yeah. just put him back. Let's just put him back in. Yeah, let's put him back in. You're, he's you're back too good. In, JK. <laughs> he's, he's just kidding, JK. You're still in. Ah, <laughs> uh-huh. I see what you did there. I see what you did there. It was too, it's too easy. Yeah. And, and, and speaking of, of characters who inhabited roles quite nicely, probably not to the same effect as JK Simmons, but uh, Evan Peters, uh, if you will remember, uh, he played Quicksilver in the Fox X-Men films. Um, That's right. Is reportedly joining the WandaVision show now. This, so is this a rumor or is this pr- confirmed? I think it's confirmed. He is going to be in the show, um, but it's not confirmed what role he's going to play. Ah. And, and if you know anything about comic books, obviously this is very, very interesting because Quicksilver is the brother of the Scarlet Witch. That's right. Um, and I, okay, I have a lot of weird, I have not weird thoughts, but I have a lot of thoughts about this. Part of me thinks, Oh, cool. Evan Peters is a good actor. He could be playing anybody. He could be. That's right. We have seen many actors from former Marvel movies or DC films come over to the MCU. Yep. And one of the thoughts I had was that perhaps he plays the grown up version of one of her kids, Wick and her speed. I could see it. You know, that's not a bad idea. It could work. But the other thought I had was are they, are they actually going to attempt this? where they refer to the old Fox X-Men universe as just one of the many, many possible universes out there and cherry pick from the better performances and the better actors and the better characterizations from that universe and try to fold them into the MCU proper. Um, I think they might be trying to do it. Honestly, I think they might be trying to do it. I could see them... Yeah, I could definitely see them going that route. And I think it like lends itself to just even more possibilities of how they end up folding in more of the X-Men universe going forward. I'd be curious to see how they would kind of play it if he ended up being Quicksilver again, um, because obviously he's not the same Quicksilver that we saw in Age of Ultron, which is where right. uh, Lizzie Olsen comes from. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, if it was like, okay, he shows up, he's a super speed character and he's going by Quicksilver or his name is Pietro, um, you know, obviously Wanda would probably perk up and be like, excuse me now, like, oh, who, who did you say you were? Yeah. You know, and, you know, I don't know if, if they would just play it that, that route and be like, oh, he doesn't look like my brother, but he's saying he's my brother. Um, or maybe they just, you know, forget all about, uh, was it Evan 
um, Michael Peters. What is the the character from the the guy who played him in uh, in Age of Ultron? Oh, uh, Aaron. Um, Aaron Michael Peters, right? Aaron, no, Aaron Taylor, Aaron Michael Taylor, Aaron, or something like that. Aaron Taylor Johnson P- Peters. No, this Michael, is Evan Peters. <laughs> Michael Michael Evan Taylor. Um, one of those guys. <laughs> one of those guys was Quicksilver. Yes, in Age of Ultron. Yes, the, the guy who played. Uh, he was Kick-Ass. also he was also Kickass, which also Kick-Ass. which yeah. is also a movie that featured. Um, uh, 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 Quicksilver from the MCU, um, uh, or Quicksilver from uh, from X Men, I should say. From oh, Evan 20th Peters. Century Fox. Yeah, Evan okay. Peters. He was also in Kickass, which is why oh, it was yes, really was. interesting that they were both right. playing Quicksilver, Quicksilver. like at yeah. the same time. Weird. Anyways, yeah. Um, so excited. Yeah, I'm excited too. So, but the, the reason I think that they might actually be doing this, which is such a it's such a Kevin Feige Marvel thing to do, right? Um, Classic to Kevin. not to not just throw things away because they're old or whatever, but to come back to them and go, hey, you know what? There's, there's potential here. Part of me thinks, part of me thinks that they're going to do this mostly to facilitate Deadpool. Okay. I think they're going to do this so that there is an explanation for why we suddenly find Deadpool in the MCU. Um, See that's that's the kind of the tricky thing, and, and I don't mind that at all either. Like if that's the route they end up going, as you know, this is this is kind of the origin, you know, for for how they all get there. But Deadpool doesn't need that. Like I agree. That's, that's I kind agree. of the thing. Is like, I don't think he needs it. He doesn't need an in because he's Deadpool. <laughs> he breaks the fourth wall. You know, he's one of those characters. But at the same time, I think it's always nice when you can continue, like like you were saying, yeah. take some of what was was already working really well yeah and then carry it carry and don't it get me somewhere. don't get me wrong not a lot of the fox x-men stuff at all really at by the end was working all that well but if you've got the opportunity to pick a character like quicksilver out right where you get this really weird relationship between a scarlet witch or a wanda who lost her actual brother but then suddenly has this other person show up who is technically her her brother from another reality from another reality and how that dynamic would play um the opportunity to have obviously deadpool and cable i think is the other you know a lot of the obviously the characters in deadpool 2 a lot of the x-force characters and stuff that really works domino domino really works um that version of the juggernaut i thought worked okay even though he got messed up that kind of thing that colossus i think is really good so good so Mm -hmm. um I love Negasonic Teenage Warhead. I mean, there's yep. there's a few characters in there that I think would be great, and it would be a shame to to lose them or to not use them, you know, in the in the MCU proper. So, I think it's I, fun because we talked a lot about it, especially when uh, Dark Phoenix came, Dark Phoenix came out, and we you know talking about like, is this it? Are they going to carry this forward? Like, what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. And now we're getting close to like seeing what the big what the big plan is what their strategy is going to be yeah we'll see we'll see uh some good news uh on the filming front uh wandavision falcon and winter soldier and loki are all set to resume filming in july um so uh, wandavision is going to film in la falcon and winter soldier in atlanta and in prague and loki in atlanta as well so um it seems like we're sort of getting back on the on the track to have these yes. things you know up and running so hopefully um just as it is with the disneyland thing hopefully everybody stays safe um and they're not putting anybody's uh, health at risk uh, by doing this um but if as long as things are are going okay there it's exciting to to know that we're going to have 
uh, some cool new content um, coming up in the not too distant future. So looking forward to all of that. Uh, Marvel also, uh, well, it was revealed, not revealed, but it was mentioned uh, in the news the other day <clears throat> that Marvel actually regains the rights to Daredevil uh, in six months. So, you know, I know Charlie Cox has been making a lot of noise about not coming back to play Daredevil. Um, and whether he does or he doesn't, just the fact that they get the rights back for the character is exciting yeah. um, because that's a character, given what we know about the things that are happening for sure, more Spider-Man movies, She-Hulk movie, uh, Ghost Rider, well, not Ghost Rider, uh, excuse me, uh, the next Doctor Strange movie, all these things that happen in and around the Daredevil universe in the comic books, you know, specifically in New York City. It's exciting to have that character available to them again because people know it. People really, really respond to it. They, people love Daredevil. He's, he's a fantastic character. So um, I'm looking forward to that quite a bit. Um, and I'm still really holding out hope that Charlie Cox comes back uh, and is Peter Parker's lawyer. Yeah. All, all I really want is that kind of that like Daredevil and Spider-Man interaction because it's very much like the Spider-Man, Iron Man and Spider-Man, Captain America, you know, seeing them on screen together. It's that fanboy or fangirl or fan person uh, reaction, right? Yes. You like, this is, I've seen this in the comics. I've read this in the comics a dozen times. It's always exciting every time. So I know that it's going to be exciting on the screen. What I'm not clear about when it comes to these rights issues um, is, so they don't get the rights back until six months from now. Right. Are they allowed to have Charlie Cox film things? I don't know. I have no idea how that works. Um, if you do, as long as you're not releasing it until sure. six months or beyond that kind of thing. That's a good um, question. Yeah. Cause I don't know. I'm assuming that Netflix is still going to have daredevil all three seasons on their library. Yeah. Right. Yep. They should. They should. Original I don't think, content. yeah, I don't think that's one of those shows that's going to uh, revert back to Disney plus anytime. Okay. I think, those stay those stay Netflix properties, but <clears throat> it would be interesting, and I, I don't know how they would keep it from leaking. But it would be interesting if Charlie Cox was fit, was able to film the Spider Man movie um, or something along those lines, um, but then just not talk about it and not. I guess you couldn't do any press for it. I suppose you couldn't really market around it until six months from now. But um, they could they could probably pretty well keep that under wraps. I think, especially if it was like a small cameo sure. or you know something that he just shows up in for like maybe a couple of scenes. But um, they're Disney; they can do whatever the hell they want. You know? <laughs> yes, if uh, if history has shown us anything, it's that yeah. Disney can do whatever the hell they want. Yeah, just this just in: Disney yes. does whatever the hell that they is want. also part of the world that we live in. <laughs> it's true. It's one hundred percent true. <sighs> Anyways, uh, <laughs> last keep making week, good stuff, Disney. Please I guess, keep making good stuff. Uh, yeah, it's the it's that it's the the uh, the sort of double edged sword, I guess, right, of being a fanboy of this stuff is that for all of Disney's nonsense, you just sort of want them to keep doing it because it's, it's fun to watch. Satisfying. It's yep. satisfying and fun to watch. Yep. Ah, I'm like a crack oh, addict. Um, anyways, <laughs> keep yeah. it coming into my veins. <laughs> um, <clears throat> <laughs> uh, so the last Marvel story I wanted to touch on going back to some Scarlet Witch stuff uh, in the comic books uh, they are putting together this collected edition uh, of, of books sort of a, a, a combined story based around uh, something that we talked about on a previous ep episode which is a fictional book in the Marvel Universe called The Darkhold um, The Darkhold was used in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. 
um, as uh, an introduction, part of the introduction to the Ghost Rider character in that uh, show. Um, it's a very like powerful Marvel ar- artifact that holds the knowledge of all things in it, and it can it will basically drive you insane if you read it. That it's a it's a very powerful artifact in the Marvel universe. I bring all I bring all this back up because. On it was reported the other day that on one of the covers for this comic book series that's coming out, they have replaced Doctor Doom with the Darkhold with the Scarlet Witch holding the Darkhold. Um, this is significant because there have been rumors that the Darkhold is going to make its way into the WandaVision show and subsequently the Doctor Strange movie as part of the overall multiverse of madness that <laughs> that causes these rifts in time and space and allow things to just go totally apeshit in the MCU. So um, it's a, it's an interesting thing. We've, we said it all, we say it all the time, watch the comic books because as soon as something starts happening in the comic books, it means they're testing the waters for whether or not it's going to happen in shows and movies. That could be incredibly significant. And I think one of the things that that also brings kind of, or it makes me curious about something that, that maybe we haven't thought of before we get really caught up in this idea of like what happens when something translates or is connected from movie to TV or from TV to movie. Well, what happens if they do something in the comic books and it ends up in the movies or in the TV shows? Like, I mean, Star Wars. (laughs) Yeah, no, exactly. If you're thinking about it in terms of like, well, Mm -hmm. you know, you could say that everything that's happened in some degree has happened in the comic books because that's the source material. But when we're talking about current events or like storylines that are taking place at the same time, you know, I don't think that anything like that's ever really been done before, you know, with, with the Star Wars sense, it's always like expanded universe. Um, so, so things like that, but, um, uh, it'd be pretty cool to see something happen in the comic books that ended up directly affecting or maybe being affected by something in like the MCU or the Disney plus series. Yeah. And you know, with the comic book industry struggling the way it is uh, financially, um, it wouldn't be the worst marketing tactic um, to, I, I force is a strong word, but to entice people to go buy some comic books. If you want to know what's going on in the MC in this thing that you love on the big screen, you know, you got to find out, you got to mm-hmm. go buy a comic book and read it. It's uh, read it. Whatever. It's 27 pages. Just read it. Yeah. No big deal. Give it a try. Give it a try. And that would be, a, that would be an interesting way to get people back into comic books uh, for sure. At least those ones, maybe for limited runs and all that kind of stuff. Um, moving over to the DC side of things. And we talked on the last show about how nice it was to have a lot of DC stuff to talk about. Well, guess what? We got a lot of DC stuff to talk about so again this much week. DC. DC stuff is crazy right now. It's Double all the DC. Over, it's all over the board. Some good, some bad, some ugly. We'll get into it right now. Uh, Wonder Woman 1984 has been pushed to October 2nd. Uh, it had previously been moved from June to August. Um, it's now being moved back again. Uh, also, along with that, Warner Brothers moved back the new Christopher Nolan movie, Tenet, uh, back to July 31st. Um, have you seen the trailer for Tenet? Yes. Did you times. understand the trailer for Tenet? No. Okay, good. I mean, me either. <laughs> I, I understand that there's time manipulation in Tenet <laughs> yep. in some way, sure. but that's pretty much all I got from okay, it. Okay, good. So I'm, I, but, but I'm excited. It's, I think, oh, yeah. like most Christopher Nolan films, like the the least you or the less you know about it going into it, the better. Agreed. You know, Agreed. we talk about like. Uh, Inception. Seeing like, oh yeah, Inception, absolutely. But yeah. um, uh, Memento, 
you oh, know, sure. not yeah. having any idea what Memento was about and then going into this film is like probably the best possible way to do it. Sure. Um, so I'm excited. It looks cool. Yeah, it looked cool. Anyway, I also didn't realize that the, the lead in the movie is Denzel Washington's son. Yes, John David. Did not, did not know that. Yep. Now a, I know. An excellent, excellent actor. One that I hope to see in the MCU very soon. Uh, really who good. You, who would you cast him as? Ooh, good question. Good question. Um, I'll have to get back to you on that one. Okay. And for another I, time. For another perhaps time. a giant-sized topic. For perhaps. He is a, he is, but he is an excellent, excellent actor. So, um, And he's, he's in there along with uh, uh, the Batman. Um, Batman. Rob, Rob Bat, Bat and Bat. Um, oh, that's right. And he's, he's full, his full English self. Full English accent. Yeah, it's nice. So anyway, looking forward to that. But Wonder Woman 1984, which is what we started off talking about, has moved back to, uh, to October 2nd. So, you know, we have to wait a little bit longer for it. Still going to be a kick-ass movie. I can't wait. Um, and it leads to the next story here, which is uh, the report that Henry Cavill is going to return as Superman in the uh, DCEU. Um, the, I, am, I am so curious how they're going to do this because it's, it's, one thing is clear, and, I, and this is what I love about this, and you've talked about it on the show before. Henry Cavill loves playing Superman. He loves it a lot like he yeah. really wants to people be love him in the role and and he's fantastic in it yeah and, and people and he really wants to be there so i'm glad they're bringing him back um the rumor right now is that they're going to be using him a lot like they use mark ruffalo as the hulk where he'll show up in other people's movies but not in his own not in a standalone superman movie um okay i don't know how long that will last for um but it is interesting and he does seem like the kind of character that makes sense in that kind of a role. Um, sure. I think one of the, one of the places where a lot of the Superman movies fall a little bit flat for people is that like it does in the comp, like it is in the comic books, it's kind of hard to write Superman. It's kind of hard to write a character who's basically omnipotent, you know, he's so OP. He's so OP. And so if you find a way to just bring him in for a cameo or insert him as part of a thing, or maybe he's in peril or something like that. And the, the rest of the team has to be the ones to bail him out or save him, that kind of stuff. I think it works a little bit better than trying to build a whole, to trying to do his own thing um, in a movies, in a movie sense. Now, Man of Steel, we talked about on the show, Man of Steel was really good. Um, and I would love to see another sp- uh, Superman movie come out of this, but for in the meantime, I'm just happy that he's back. <clears throat> yeah same i'm excited to see where they go with it um i agree that i think having him in that kind of supporting role will be um it'll lend itself really well to those other movies and mm-hmm. to the other characters involved um it still kind of makes me skeptical about this whole idea or this notion that they're not trying to make a cohere a cohesive universe out of it um, i think they're doubling back on that i think they, they're going yeah to, they might be now. returning to that really mm-hmm. quickly um, and I guess we'll see what happens after the Snyder cut and everything like that. But um, yeah, either way, I'm, I'm excited that he's still in the role, you know, just like I'm still excited that Gal Gadot gets to play Wonder Woman. Um, yep. If we end up getting another Batfleck out of it, I don't even really care, but I'm more, I'm still more curious about uh, Robert Pattinson's the Batman at this point most when de- it comes to that character. Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. I think it, it will be cool to see, it will be cool to see Henry Cavill back. I think the one place I'm really looking forward to seeing seeing him in is uh, the next Shazam. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> when he got that little head cut off cameo yeah. where they didn't actually show him, 
um, in, in the first Shazam. That was great. Um, but that's a perfect place where he can be in peril because he can't fight magic. And so, yep. you know, Shazam and Black Adam and Superman all together in a thing. That's what I'm saying, man. Like and that's... Henry Cavill and the rock on screen at the same time. I have to have super it. Super <laughs> cool. Be super cool. I think that's one of the things they always did really well in the animated series. Um, not just the uh, Bruce Tim animated series, but like the original uh, animated Superman was that he wasn't this like, you know, world destroying character. Like he couldn't, you know, change the rotation of the earth or some bullshit, <laughs> move planets. You know, he, he was able to leap tall buildings. He mm-hmm. couldn't fly. And he was able to, you know, he was able to stop a speeding bullet. Um, and he was more power, powerful than a locomotive, but he wasn't as powerful as like an atomic bomb. You know, right. like he, he was really super fucking strong, but he wasn't a God. And that yeah. was the thing that I think made it easier for that character to be like, you know, you, you just rooted for him more, yeah. especially with the kind of rogues gallery that he has, you know? Sure. I agree. And, and look, I'm okay with spider with Spider-Man with Superman being at the top of the, the power food sure. chain as yeah. far as DC characters are concerned, but there can't be such a chasm between his powers and like say wonder woman's powers. Like yeah. they need to be almost on equal footing or if not right on equal footing essentially, because mm-hmm. you know, that it, it just works better from a story selling standpoint and from just from a characterization standpoint. Absolutely. So yeah. Interested to see where he pops up next. Um, we obviously talked uh, at length about the Snyder cut last time around. Uh, it will reportedly have no reshoots with actors, uh, which I thought was interesting. Um, given all of the enthusiasm among the actors, uh, to come back and, and, and make this thing happen. Apparently they're going to be doing a lot of ADR. So they will be in the studio recording lines. Um, but Snyder, apparently he wanted the reshoots. He wanted to get the actors back on set, but uh, Warner Brothers was only willing to give him money for uh, visual effects and post-production stuff as well as the ADR uh, sessions with the actors. So, yeah, we'll see how it turns out. Um, it was reportedly going to cost something in the range of 20 to $30 million, but it sounds like it's going to be even more than that. Um, not surprising, though, because it seems like such a huge task to pull together so much um, unfinished footage and make something watchable out of it. Yeah, there's, I mean, obviously we don't even know because we haven't seen a lot of it. I mean, there's there's some deleted scenes and stuff that have been released, but we don't have the full picture of like how much footage they have or, right. you know, how much stuff they're going to be able to work back in or just use special effects to kind of fill in for, um, It'll be, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how much stuff they can kind of get away with, mm-hmm. um, I guess, you know, having a, either a fully CG Henry Cavill versus just, you know, uh, 5% CG Henry Cavill, <laughs> um, or, you know, uh, having like a stunt, a stunt double, you know, doing the, the action shots for Batman or whatever. Yeah, we'll um, see. I think we're going to get it'll, a fully CG dark side, which will be interesting. You think um, it'll live up to uh, to Thanos in the MCU because that Josh Brolin mocap facial recognition stuff was pretty nuts. Pretty pretty great. Pretty great. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I am as we talked about before. I am so intrigued now. Like I just, I, I have no idea how this thing is going to come out. It, it, like again, it could just be a total mishmash of stuff that doesn't work and looks terrible, or it could be phenomenal. I have no idea. I have no idea. I think uh, the one thing 
that I know that I want for Dark Side is for George Newbern to voice him because he voiced him in the animated series. And he's got like the best, like cold, like scary dude, you know, like very, uh, I don't know, uh, <laughs> military, yeah. uh, you know, runs of a regime, you know, kind of thing. Uh, uh, just from that voice actor. But yeah. again, you know, it's it's also because I just love that series. And when sure. I think Superman, that's immediately what I go for. It's amazing how much stuff they nailed on those shows. Yes. Um, so much of it was just pitch perfect. Uh, yeah. And they, they would do, they would do well to, to, uh, to pull in elements of that stuff uh, in the movies. Um, so as we talked about the four hour cut of revenge of the Sith that people are stumping for another thing that people are calling for in mass right now, uh, weirdly is the uh, air cut the David Ayer cut of Suicide Squad. Some we touched on it uh, briefly during our discussion about the Snyder cut. Um, and it sounds like it sounds like it's there's a lot there's smoke here. Um, the there's a Warner Brothers uh, executive uh, apparently on the record is saying that they're discussing it um, uh, for HBO Max. Um, what we know about this particular cut of Suicide Squad um, is that it features a lot more of Jared Leto's Joker. I'm not sure how that makes people feel. <laughs> um, um, it features a lot more of Katana, which I would be all in favor for. I thought she was criminally underused and underexplained, and it made no sense why she was even there. Um, which it would include a scene of her being possessed by the Enchantress, which would be neat. Um, more backstory for uh, Cara Delevingne's uh, June Moon slash en- Enchantress. So a little bit more characterization for her. Her again, another character in that movie that just got no arc whatsoever. It's such a weird story, though. <laughs> like the way that that movie got edited and re-edited and then re and then released, it was yeah, just hard to like fathom the thought process behind it. So I think this is one of those ones where I'm. I don't know if I'm necessarily more interested in this than than the Snyder cut, just because I've actually seen Suicide Squad, mm-hmm. but. I am very curious to know what it was like before like they gave it to the trailer company, basically. I, I am too. I am too. It's interesting because you hear all those stories that I think we, we were just touching on, but you hear all those stories about what they screened for test audiences and what people were super excited about just never got shown to anybody in terms of a wide release because Warner Brothers got their hands on it and like you said, gave it to the trailer company and just recut this thing. Like, you know, um, it's a much different situation than the Snyder cut thing where obviously they had to bring in Joss Whedon and all that kind of stuff. But um, this was fully like studio meddling nonsense on this one. Um, Apparently the air cut also includes a love triangle between Deadshot, Harley and Joker, which uh, okay, sure. Why not? Um, And references to apocalypse that helped set up the justice league, um, which include a mother box uh, and a boom tube. So, you know, clearly Clearly, there was some world build, world building going on before Warner Brothers kind of uh, tried to scrap it all and say that they were going for stand one uh, standalone things, one off things. Um, but now that we're coming back to this Snyder verse idea of things being connected and Henry Cavill and all that stuff we just got done talking about, it would be really interesting to see this. Um, apparently, it would cost significantly less to do this than it would to do uh, the Snyder cut. Uh, mostly because it sounds like a lot of this is just in the can. This yeah, is they already had it. Mm-hmm. 
that's the, that's kind of the craziest thing I think about it is like this was all done. They just made a really terrible move, I think, or at least it seems like that was a really poor choice made uh, somewhere along the line. So yeah, backtracking. Uh, hopefully, it will come so out so much backtracking, and uh, and this will be <laughs> like a, a redemption type move for a lot of those those uh, higher executives, but. You know, at the same time, there's part of me that kind of wants to see it all fall apart and Disney just buy DC. So <laughs> it's so messed up. I mean, we'll get into it in a little bit later, but I mean, AT and T is is uh, selling all sorts of stuff. So we, I, who knows? It, literally, anything could happen at anything. this point. Anything. And as we just established earlier, Disney does what Disney wants. Um, so uh, the last thing about this, I'll say about the air cut. Uh, he mentioned David Ayer mentioned that the rewrite of Suicide Squad changed a major uh, uh, detail about the death of Robin. Uh, as you oh. might remember, in uh, Batman Superman, we see the the Robin suit that's been spray painted on, and and in Suicide Squad, they mentioned that uh, Harley had a hand in the murder of Robin of Jason Todd. Mm. Um, so, uh, apparently what happened was that there would have been more of a plot point, um, that the, there would have been more time given to the Joker Harley relationship and it would have made Harley a much darker character in, in the context of their hand in killing Robin. So, um, you know, Batman makes an, a, an appearance in suicide squad and it's kind right. of, you know, He's in, he's out. It kind of doesn't really make any sense why he's there, but I feel like it's Batman. Hey, look, it's Batman. He's on top of a car. There he is. I feel like there would be, it would be nice to get a little bit more meat to his inclusion uh, as brief as it was and why he's so, you know, why he's involved, why he's involved at all. So yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. Uh, And I, I feel like there's, you know, it's just, again, more, it's, it's more uh, opportunity to to build on the characters that they're trying to like make us care about. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like that was one of the biggest struggles about suicide squad was like, I don't care about any of these nope. guys. <laughs> like nope. I know I'm supposed to because of yeah. what's happening right now, but <laughs> I really don't. Um, and you haven't really given me any reason to. So yep. um, with maybe the exception of Harley, just because of the Joker stuff. But, yeah, I, Harley and uh, and Deadshot to a a, yeah. a a lesser extent, but yeah, you're right. It, it it was a mess. It was a mess of a film. Yeah, um, fun moments, but mostly a mess of a film. Exactly. Um, Did you sounds- ever see that like rumor that, uh, or there was this, there was a fan theory that uh, Joker, like Jared Leto's Joker, was actually Robin? Yes, I did see that that fan theory i always thought that would be an interesting twist it would have been it would have been an interesting twist yeah definitely and and something that i yeah i i, I could go with that as weird as these these movies have gotten and as far away from the source material as these things have gotten <coughs> i'd be in i'd be in for that yeah, there's um, still room there's still there's, room for good things to happen definitely uh they're talking about making a new harley quinn harley quinn film uh, in the not too distant future i think obviously margot robbie has smashed it in that role uh birds of prey uh suicide squad um and it's i i put in the notes here it's pretty crazy to me that besides wonder woman harley quinn is like the most bankable female star in these movies it's yep they've got so many female characters to draw from in the dc universe it's true and it's it's a character that was created for a batman the animated series that is like really they're just throwing all the money behind her. Um, now, granted, a lot of that is Margot Robbie and the fact that she's amazing, but um, 
yeah, I, it's crazy. That's crazy to me. Yeah, super fun. Um, the sequel, apparently, to the Matt Reeves Batman movie uh, will recast the Joker. So we will not be getting uh, um, Joaquin Phoenix <clears throat> or Jared Leto, for that matter, uh, in the Batman. Uh, so that'll be interesting. We know that the first, we know that the the upcoming movie is going to have the Riddler, the Penguin, and uh, Catwoman in it. So stuffed full of uh, Batman's Rose Gallery as it stands, and I think uh, Carmine, Carmine Falcone as well. That's right. Um, so there's a lot of characters in that movie. Um, any, f- I I was racking my brain to think about who I would want, but any actors you would like to see in the role of Joker? Um, I've seen some different fan casting done, but I honestly I don't know. It's kind of hard for me to even think about Joker at this point. Yeah. I still haven't even seen the Joaquin Phoenix Joker. Yep. Um, so part of me doesn't really even want to move ahead until I've seen that. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's uh, it's one of those things. Like I feel like in, in, on one hand you can't really have Batman without the Joker. You can't really have Joker without Batman. But you know they did Joker and there was no Batman and it got Oscars and sure lots of praise and things like that. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess it'll I guess it'll depend. You think they're just going to call it the Batman two? It's a good question. It's a good question. I don't know. Um, maybe it'll just be called Batman, and then the last one will just be called Man, <laughs> or just Bat, <laughs> just Bat, <laughs> Bat, <laughs> BM. I like it. I like it. Um, yeah, maybe. <laughs> or just it'll just be a symbol. It'll just be yeah. the Batman symbol. Yep. Like Prince kind of thing. It'll just be a symbol. Yeah. Yeah, that works. Um, all right. Simple. There is a rumor that uh, our our old favorite Bruce Tim is going to come back and do a Batman animated movie which I think could be awesome. They just did the uh, comic book series, right? He was involved in that. That's right. Because yeah. it's a continuation of the animated series. So yeah. there you go. There you go. Couldn't, uh, couldn't I wouldn't say no to I'm some in, more Batman animated series. That's all I'm saying. That's I'm into it. I'm into it. It's still like we've talked about it on the show. It's still the, it, the signature Batman thing. I think you, it, you it, know, Kevin Conroy is going to be there. Hell yes. <laughs> hell that's yes. That's all I need. He's Batman. <clears throat> 100 percent um it was reported that the green lantern series on hbo max is going to feature a feature film of production values which not surprising especially for a character and a set of characters that are so huge in scale as far as cosmically um it would be a disservice i think to budget cut (laughs) for for something of that size so i'm excited to see it um they can't I, really afford to gamble with it anymore no no um, it i mean i'm sure they can but but at the same time hbo max is traditional or hbo has traditionally put a lot of money production money into their shows um and seeing i guess still seeing like disney plus as sort of the competition in this regard mm-hmm. also doing you know movie scale budgets for their shows i think they're gonna have to start doing things like that in order to compete Agreed. Agreed. And hopefully it'll turn out because Green Lantern and the, the, the Green Lantern mythos um, is something that is a, a major untapped source of, of awesome storytelling, I think. Absolutely. Uh, for them. So I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready for that. Uh, we talked about uh, Ruby Rose uh, stepping down uh, from her role in Batwoman on the CW. Um, it was uh, reported apparently that they are not going to cast another uh, actress to play um, Kate Kane to play the, the the Batwoman characters we know it, but instead 
they are going to recast another actress to play a totally different new character, original character that wears the same, that wears the Batwoman costume. Um, they wrote a little character bio or there's a little like actor uh, casting bio for this character. The character's name is Ryan Wilder uh, described as a female in her late her mid to late twenties and the complete opposite of Kate Kane. Uh, she's likable, messy, a little goofy and untamed uh, with no one in her life to keep her on track. Ryan spent years as a drug runner, dodging the GCPD and masking her pain with bad habits. Uh, today reformed and sober Ryan lives in, in a van down by the river, perhaps. Um, <clears throat> Ryan lives in a van with her plant, uh, a girl who would steal milk from an alley cat and could also kill you with her bare hands. That seems a bit extreme. Uh, Ryan is the most dangerous type of fighter, highly skilled and wildly under, and wildly disciplined in an out lesbian, athletic, raw, passionate, fallible, and very much not your stereotypical all American hero. So um, interesting, an interesting decision to go this route and not just, uh, come through with another person playing the same character. I like it. I think it's a very much a comic book kind of move to do it, um, to just put somebody else underneath the cowl. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, they're looking very hard at uh, a, an actress named Vanessa Morgan, who is on the the Riverdale show on the CW as well. Um, I know nothing about her. Um, seems like it could be an okay choice. She apparently made uh, headlines recently by voicing her frustration uh, at black characters on Riverdale being used as sidekicks and said she would not take any more roles in shows like this until they started portraying uh, black people properly. Uh, so bravo for that. And I, I'm all for it. I think it could be a really interesting thing. Um, that first season of the Batwoman show, I've only watched, I think maybe half of it or, sh- or so. Um, I've liked it. I thought it was, I thought it'd been pretty good. So I liked Ruby Rose. I'm interested to see where they go with this. Right on. Yeah, I haven't watched any of it. Uh, I've watched, you know, like trailers and, you know, seen clips and things like that, uh, especially when they were doing the uh, uh, Kingdom, or not Kingdom Come, what was it? The um, Uh, the Crisis on Infinite Earth. Crisis on Infinite Earth. Uh, Yeah, yeah, all the CW shows and stuff like that, um, which I think is really cool. Um, It was one of the other things I was going to mention about uh, Green Lantern being one of like the first shows to have like a movie level budget because you'll probably see a significant difference between that and a CW show. I would hope um, so. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> so that, that makes me kind of excited. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, again, like I'm, uh, I'm, I'm always curious what kind of direction they're going to go with certain things. Nothing from CW has really like grabbed me yet. Mm. Um, but who knows? I'm, I'm open to it. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Uh, the last story here, uh, on the DC front, um, it's a pretty major one as far as the comics are concerned. Uh, so during the, the, the pandemic shutdown and all this stuff where comics weren't being distributed and there was a lot of questions around when they would start to be distributed again, uh, the, the higher ups at DC made the decision uh, to sever ties with Diamond Comics distribution, which has long been the the soul or not soul, but the main player in the comics distribution um, uh, realm. Um, and this decision was met understandably by retailers and other comic book companies um, with a lot of criticism because um, they just up and pulled out and have two other distribution companies that they own that are now going to be distributing their comic books. Um, now, the reason this is a big story in the comic book industry is because DC makes up about 30% of Diamond's business. Um, 
So the sudden loss of DC from Diamond's book of business puts Diamond at risk, puts the company Diamond Comics Distribution at risk. And if they're at risk, then other smaller comic book companies are very much at risk for not having uh, the ability to distribute their comic books. And so, you know, it, it was looked at by a lot of people in the industry as a hasty move, as a uh, callous move, as something that uh, DC did um, without, without much consideration for the industry at large, um, which I guess if you, if you know how the big companies work, Marvel's not exempt from this. Um, I guess it's, you know, it's one of the things that they do. Um, Eric Stevenson, who is the editor at Image Comics, came out the other day. I'm not sure if you read the article at all. Mm-hmm. He read the whole, so they, what they did, somebody got this letter that he sent to, like, I forget who he sent it to, but it was a big, long letter. And it, it's just, he's, he rips everybody in this thing. He, it's amazing. It's an amazing letter. You should definitely read the whole thing. Okay, but, definitely. Uh, he blasted DC. Uh, he, he called the move a hasty, sociopathic decision made by people who do not care about the long-term welfare of our marketplace, let alone comics. That's a pretty heavy statement to make. Um, and he's not wrong. He's not wrong. Um, he, I did not know this, but he, he referenced a similar move that Marvel made back in the early mid nineties um, to try to distribute uh, their comics through a different company uh, that they themselves bought um, that ultimately did not work. Um, and, you know, trying to tie it back to that and the fact that Marvel was going through bankruptcy at the time. And there was a lot of other things going on, but you know, it's basically like a show of solidarity among the independent comic book uh, companies um, to say, look, diamond's going to be okay, but you know, I, they're still going to be in business and we're still going to have our, our ability to distribute things. But even if they were to go down, we're still in a place of, we can still do this. You know, we're not, we're not going to be left out in the cold just because one of the big two good quote unquote big two goes away. So yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think that you have that much power. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so big, big news uh, in the comic book on the comic book front. Um, so the uh, last things we want to talk about today are on the video game uh, side of things. Lots of video game news uh, this time around, which is always a nice thing to have. Sometimes not a whole lot going on, but as we know, um, we are about to enter the next uh, console generation. Um, and Sony uh, finally, finally, finally showed off the PS5 and a bunch of game trailers. Um, what they did not show off was a release date or a price, which would have been nice to see. Um, but they did uh, surprise people by offering both a digital-only version with no optical drive uh, and a, a version with a 4K Blu-ray drive. <clears throat> the speculation is that the digital version will cost $4.99. Uh, and that the one with the Blu-ray drive will cost slightly more, maybe in the five fifty to six hundred, or yeah, five fifty to six hundred dollar range. So, um, I'm not sure if you had a chance to watch uh, any of the just trailers. Highlights. Okay, just, just highlights. highlights. I have watched trailers. Uh, I've watched plenty of speculation and reviews. Uh, I have a lot of feelings. <laughs> okay, go go. Yeah, I, for me, I thought the presentation was pretty lame generally speaking. I think that was um, a consensus. A lot yeah. of people felt like it was pretty weak. It was pretty weak. Uh, it was certainly was not on par with what Microsoft did, uh, showing off the power of the system and all that kind of stuff. It, it just wasn't, it wasn't quite there. It was just basically a bunch of trailers for a lot of games that were very 
underwhelming as far as the PS5 are concerned. Don't get me wrong. There were definitely some super big highlights in there and we'll get to those in a minute. But um, yeah, I'm curious to hear what you have to say. Yeah, I mean, I think I was overall, you know, uh, underwhelmed like you know uh, like a lot of what you were saying it, it's just it's it it wasn't something that um really grabbed me and and made me excited uh in a, in a lot of the same ways that like you know xbox um or even past sony you know uh reveals console reveals have been um i think you know they did a lot uh leading up to this event uh releasing specs technical specs and uh, you know um, solid state information, you know, for like the hard drives and all that stuff. They're talking about the power of these systems and mm-hmm. basically what it's going to be c- capable of, but showing it off was not something they really did. Right. Um, you know, I think they just kind of left a lot of it up to imagination, which I'm hoping that they don't uh, over the next few months, especially leading up to when they plan on selling this thing. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I think you know, overall, I'm waiting to see more i think i'm still pretty excited to get one at some point mostly because of its next next gen capabilities but also its backwards compatibility um which means that yeah i'm going to be jumping on the optical drives front uh as far as that that goes because i'm also not traditionally a digital only gamer um except maybe i guess for pc but um, i liked being able to you know have a tangible disc and also sell or resell a tangible disc um i think it's really funny all of the comments and memes that are coming out of the design of this thing because most people <laughs> think think it looks like some kind of high-end router and it definitely does it definitely does well let's talk about that so we'll skip we'll skip by the games and we'll get back to that in a second but yeah let's talk about the design of it because it does that i that thought did not immediately spring to mind but as soon as people said it i was like yeah you're right it does look like the like it's a wi-fi like, router there's i've seen i've seen a couple of different things i've seen people do it mark, mock it up as like the uh, like one of the two towers in lord of the rings with like the eye of sauron at the top or whatever <laughs> like anytime you have spires like that is just i just don't think it's a good look yeah um, it's just it's just weird um i, I saw like somebody... the oh go, go ahead. ahead no go ahead I was going to say, I like the all white. Like that's that's something that's kind of different because traditionally the PlayStation has come out with like a black series Mm -hmm. um, or I guess the all gray PS1, um, which is still a classic, which would be kind of cool actually to see kind of a retro like PS5 uh layout and you know they're going to release like a a slim or a pro or something like that like the year after it comes out. So it'll probably have a completely different design by then anyway, Mm -hmm. but, um, but yeah kind of weird looking it's a little weird looking i've seen it like slapped on the on the shoulders of stormtroopers yeah. i've seen i saw somebody put a batman head in the little slot and had yep. a thing that yeah looking up like its ears I, yeah so yeah i mean have you seen any of the boss logic like mock-ups no no oh my god are they amazing they're really good they're right. really really good and like 10 times better than anything they showed oh, us. oh wait wait no you should you sent me that didn't I you i sent you at least you one did. of them you did send me that you did i did see that You're the right. spider-man one is dope yeah like super dope it's really really good but you know again these are like fan created things you would think <clears> that the big people at the top who are like in control of this stuff would have a better connection to like what people would want but i don't know it's sony and we're going to talk about Sony being. <laughs> yeah. We're going to about talk about Sony being Sony in just a second here. But I'm just going to queue up a <laughs> like every single time we bring up Sony doing something stupid. The other thing about it was just the sheer size of it. 
Um, it's it's really big. It's huge. Yeah. They were people have been have been putting it sort of in comparison shots at scale side by side to the other consoles that are available or that have come out in the past, and it's by far the biggest one. Even that new Xbox, which looks like a giant loaf of bread, um, big black plastic bread. The loaf. The loaf. The loaf box. <laughs> it's even bigger than that, and I, I it's it's huge. Anyways, I, I'm not sure how it's going to fit in my little game corner console thing anyways um but aside from all of the sort of negative things that came from that uh, particular presentation there were a couple of very cool game uh, reveals uh it, the show was let off um well it's let off by a gta 5 thing but that's kind of whatever it was really officially started by the reveal of the next spider-man game which is going to be spider-man miles, miles morales. morales um very very excited this Super got me cool. now right at the start of this thing, I was watching it live and this got me dead hype. I was like, Oh, here we go. Here we go. I'm like pumped up. And then it just downhill from there. But, um, (laughs) but crashing down. Yeah. It came crashing down. So, uh, let's dig into this miles Morales game real quick here because there've been so many stories now written about it in the last couple of days. So they came out with the trailer to begin with, and it's, you know, very exciting. Everyone's very, very ready for this. Uh, they said it's coming out holiday 2020, so it'll be a launch exclusive uh, with the with the PS5. Um, and just because Sony is Sony, and they just wanted to just throw some water on everything, uh, the uh, executive was executive vice president of European business Simon Rudder came out and called the game an expansion of the already existing PS4 Spider game Spider Man game. Uh, this was obviously met with confusion. Uh, disappointment, uh, <laughs> anger among fans, um, rage. rage. <laughs> I guess there was definitely some raging going on about this um, because, you know, it certainly seemed when he made those comments that, oh, great, this is essentially glorified DLC for a game that we already have, which yeah. was That's what it sounded like. That's what it sounded yeah. like. Now, the very next day, uh, James Stevenson from Insomniac came out and clarified that the game will indeed be a standalone game. So it will, in fact, be its own game. Um, the speculation right now is that it's going to be a smaller game than the original Spider-Man and not a direct sequel to it. Um, I never played this, but I know of it. it basically, it's going to be, they, what they're saying is it's going to be much in the same vein as uh, Uncharted The Lost Legacy, which was okay. a, it was its own game. They sold yep. it and it was fine. It, but it was it a good was, game. Was it okay? Yeah, I didn't play it. Was it was pretty decent. I've, okay. I've played almost all of the Uncharted games, including uh, Lost Legacy, and uh, it's uh, yeah, it's a solid game. I mean, it's exactly what you would expect out of an Uncharted game. Um, but yeah, the story takes place kind of on the side from yeah. the the main like Nathan Drake stuff. Right. Um, so as long as this is its own thing, like that's kind of the, that's, I think I'm feeling the same way as a lot of other gamers, like as far as concern goes, like I don't want this just to be glorified DLC. Right. Um, I would rather, especially for a new console, like I would much rather have a new console experience with a full Spider-Man game. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that Miles Morales deserves his own big full Spider-Man game. Yes, most definitely. Yeah. He, he is a massive character. Uh, for Marvel, it's a massive character in the Spider-Verse these days. Um, he definitely deserves his own game. Not to mention the fact that we're talking about a representation issue here, right? With black Puerto Rican character who is uh, hugely popular um, and stands very much on his own from the Peter Parker Spider-Man. Um, 
it, it's exciting that we're going to get that. And hopefully, hopefully it means that when we do get the follow-up to the PS4 Spider-Man game, he'll, now that he'll have his own game, he'll be a major part of that game as well. And yeah. you'll kind of get a bit of a, a dual play sort of situation. I'd love to see some co-op Spider-Man like action. I would I'd love to see how they would make that work because sure. it could be really fun. Yeah, it could be a lot, a lot of fun. Uh, a couple other games that got me pretty excited that were very interesting to see uh, and I thought looked amazing. Uh, the new Ratchet and Clank game. Uh, that game yeah. looks like a lot of fun. Um, yeah. I remember Ratchet playing Ratchet and Clank when it first came out and how much I really, really loved it. And it's so, so cool that this one looks like it's going to have <laughs> a lot of really interesting game mechanics to it. And then everything you expect from a Ratchet and Clank game, just crazy guns and lots of explosions and stuff you know comedy and stuff like that so looking forward to that um also horizon 2 forbidden west uh the the follow-up to horizon zero dawn um which i've only played the demo of horizon zero dawn but it's a fun game it's a it's a very visually stunning game yeah Um, it's pretty fun i just haven't ponied up the money to buy i'm not sure whether i've never played it it. yeah um but of all the trailers even the spider-man trailer this one looked the best it's it this looked, one looked like a next console, yes, like a next it, gen console trailer. Yeah, it looked gorgeous. I mean, some of the other ones look very nice as well, but mm-hmm. this one looked absolutely gorgeous. It was a very exciting, sort of. And even if you were, if as I was watching the sort of chat going on during the presentation, it was hard to follow because it was just a bazillion comments, like two million people watching this at the same time. Um, it, it was uh, people were like, finally, something to hang a console release on like this is the mm-hmm. kind of thing you want to launch a console with um so that looked very exciting and the other one i didn't write on write down here but it's not really a nerd thing but it's exciting for me uh the gran turismo game looked very cool um if you're into cars at all um as you would expect on a next gen console with all the power and, and and stuff that they have at their disposal cars look amazing tracks look amazing gameplay looks great so uh really looking forward to that um yeah so not all uh, bad from Sony, but um, o- underwhelming. I think overall is sort of the the general tone of it all. Um, <clears throat> I'm consistently amazed at how much better at marketing Microsoft is than Sony. Um, don't get it. I don't. <laughs> I don't get it. There are there are super creative people at Sony and people who know what they're doing, and they continue to just trip over themselves. Um, I don't get it. Makes no sense. Yeah, it's been a while. I think they did a really good job when when they were marketing like the PS2. Um, sure. And they fell pretty flat with the PS3, but then kind of picked it back up for the PS4 a little bit. Um, so maybe this is just another one of those down moments and we'll just have to wait for the PS6. <laughs> but we'll see what happens. PS6 I, I still have hope that they're going to put some good games out on it. Oh yeah, I mean, I think with all the exclusives that, the exclusives that they have um, available to them, think they're sort of inevitably going to put out some good stuff um another thing and this kind of goes back to our conversation about comic-con because i think that's when we might end up seeing this uh it's been heavily rumored now that warner brothers montreal uh, is going to announce uh, and release a new batman game in the very new future near future excuse me um i i get this is a major finger cross moment for me i really hope this this comes out um there have been a ton of leaks throughout the history of this show actually it's been a lot of leaks about uh various games and various stories uh the most prevalent one is that the game will feature the court of owls um and may feature damian wayne heavily um 
So we'll see. Uh, this is potentially the new Arkham game. It's or not. An, it wouldn't be, be an Arkham game. Different? It wouldn't okay. be an Arkham game. It would be it. But it, its own thing. They did. You know, they did the. Um, uh, the Arkham Origins game, Warner Brothers right. Montreal did. So I imagine the mechanics and the general tone and look of it all will probably be similar. Um, but it's supposed to be standalone from the Arkham series proper, I suppose. Cool. So looking forward to that. Um, that said, one thing that could throw a monkey wrench in any potential Batman games is a report coming out today that AT&T, which owns uh, Warner Brothers time, you know, Warner Brothers in general, excuse me, uh, is actually looking to sell Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment, which is the side of the company that does video games, obviously. Uh, The price tag is set to be around $4 billion, so we're talking Star Wars money here. Um, And among the gaming companies circling the sale are EA, uh, Activision Blizzard, and Take-Two. $4 billion for WB Interactive? I, when you when you I suppose if you have all of those DC characters yeah and when you think about it they have the Harry light, Potter yes and, Harry Potter Lord of the Rings yeah the okay. Arkham games Mortal Com- Mortal Kombat Injustice oh, right Mortal Kombat's on WB now the Injustice yeah. games all the Lego based games including the Marvel and the DC Lego based games so the only ones they don't have the rights to are the Star Wars ones so it, it's that could a be lot pretty big that's yeah that's okay I'm rethinking that. Yeah, it's a huge thing. Not to mention things like um, Cyberpunk 2077. That's right. That's a game that that uh, Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment has a stake in. So, you know, it's a lot. It's a lot. Jurassic Jurassic Park stuff. I mean, I don't know, there's not a lot of good video games around Jurassic Park, but there could be. Um, so, uh, yeah. So it's, um, yeah, it, it's a pretty big deal. Um, I'm not entirely sure... <coughs> what the hell AT&T is doing, but um, other than trying to probably square the books as far as uh, the larger company is concerned. You don't um, think it's going to lead to a larger, like we're selling Warner Brothers? It's possible. It goes back to your comment before about Disney buying DC, right? Um, I think with AT&T in charge of those things, anything is possible from a a buying and selling standpoint. Um, So yeah. I, that, that's, what I, that's what I would say. I would say anything is possible. Um, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. It's, it's set to get real, real interesting. I don't know how I feel about EA owning all of that. Not good. <laughs> or, or Activision. Like no, I guess... Not in particular. That's not my first choice. No, not even, not even kind but of a I little bit. I could see some good... I could see some... There's potential for a lot of really good game titles to come out of it. You know, even sure. looking at... You, know, you bring up Lord of the Rings. Um, the Shadow of Mordor series uh, was really popular, but I think part, partly because it was mixing things from, like, the Lord of the Rings films mm. and then also from, like, the Silmarillion and, like, the the greater Tolkien, you know, universe, stuff like that. So I look, I always look at stuff like that as like an opportunity, you know, how much, how much more stuff from like Harry Potter lore could we get uh, fantastic beasts, stuff like that. Um, or yeah, obviously all of the DC content, you know, there's, there's tons of games to be made there. We've both been, you know, talking about all the games that we would want to see, you know, uh, a, a green lantern core game, notwithstanding. Yeah, uh, or Justice League game, really well, really well put together Justice League game. Um, yeah, yeah. If it's an opportunity for that to happen, then let's do it. We'll see. We'll see. 
The last video game thing I want to talk about today, very exciting news. Uh, there was a uh, marketing sort of key art leak that happened <laughs> the other day. Uh, I'm not entirely sure how that happened, but you know, these things happen all the time. Uh, for a, a new game from EA, speaking of EA, um, called Star Wars Squadrons. Um, and they, following the leak, EA decided that, you know what? We're just going to show you a trailer on Monday. So by the time you hear this episode, you probably will have already seen said trailer. Um, looks exciting. Looks like it could be cool. Uh, pumped. We were talking the- about this a little bit, like, I don't know if it was last episode or a couple episodes ago, but just yeah. like going back to like flight simulator, yeah. you know, Star Wars games for fucking Rogue Squadron and TIE Fighter style stuff. Yeah. Like, that's exactly what I think this is going to be. So yeah. I'm pretty pumped for that. Yeah, it could be super, super cool. I'm excited too. I'm excited too. It's not often I'm excited about EA things, but um, I'm yeah that that should be that could be a lot of fun. I've 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 wanted to to get in the cockpit of a B wing for a while or an A wing for a while and just go nuts. That should be that should be super super cool. Um, so that's going to pretty much do it for us on the show. The last thing I wanted to talk about here is some sad news uh, as we sign off. Uh, comic book legend, uh, writer and editor, Denny O'Neill, uh, died, uh, at the age of 81 on Friday, uh, in his home of natural causes. Um, really sad that he's gone. Um, Denny O'Neill is one of, is, we talked, we, we did this with, with Stan Lee and, and Denny O'Neill, I think needs to be, uh, mentioned not quite in the same breath as far as overall impact is concerned but as far as the comic book industry is concerned there are very few people who've had such a as as a big an impact as Denny O'Neill had um, on the storytelling in comic books um, down the years Uh, he is obviously best known for his work on Batman in the 1970s Um, and what I would say is if you don't know Denny O'Neill's work if you like anything about what we have now as far as Batman is concerned you owe Denny O'Neill a huge debt of gratitude because he was the guy who took Batman from the campy Batman 66 Adam West stuff and reimagined it back into the gritty detective crime fighting Batman that we all know and love now that's become the most popular comic book character in all of comic bookdom you know uh he co-created yeah, he co-created uh, Ra's al Ghul. Um, he was responsible uh, very much for making the Joker relevant again, making Two-Face relevant again. Um, he worked alongside uh, the artist Neil Adams for a long time on a lot of different projects, um, including a, their run on Green Arrow, Green Lantern, which included the two-issue run where uh, Speedy becomes uh, a, a heroin addict and Green Arrow has to confront that. And so it's kind of like a, a, a take on the crack epidemic that was happening at the time, um, <clears throat> excuse me, in the 80s when that came out. He also, they also did the issue uh, where, and it's, it's, one of the, it's one of the great all-time comic book pages of all time, both, both in terms of the art and the writing, where uh, Green Lantern is confronted by a black man who asks, Hey, I see you sticking up for the blue skins and the green skins and the yellow skins and the purple skins all over the, what about, you know, the black skins here on earth and Green Lantern has to really confront the fact that, Holy crap. Like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sticking up for the people of not only my own planet, (laughs) but just normal human beings, you know, of, of, uh, of, uh, of people of color, I should say. And so 
you know, Denny O'Neill was an, he was an activist. Uh, he was somebody who was very heavily involved in a lot of causes and things like that. Um, but he also had a really good um, social conscience when it came to his comic book writing. Um, and he made a huge impact in the industry and it's sad to see him go. Yeah. I mean, he was touching uh, a lot of the DC properties, you know, justice league, green lantern. Um, I see he was also working on like uh, the question and Mm -hmm. uh, the shadow. So a lot of those, yeah, grittier dark detective driven comic book stories. Um, Yeah. And, and also worked on, you know, Marvel um, comics uh, along with like uh, X-Men and, um he did some spider-man runs i think as well mm-hmm. um so yeah all it's a it's a it's a tough loss for the industry um and uh and yeah the fandom of course it's it's hard hard to see it happen yeah um but we we should definitely be thankful for all of the content and wonderful stories that he's helped give us yeah um, and and inspired to continue on he was also he was also a really funny interview too. If you f- go on YouTube oh, yeah. and find some find some clips of him uh, just talking he's about in quite things. a few documentaries. Uh, he is. I think he I is. think he's in that one of the more recent ones of uh, what is it, Batman and Bill or Bill? And yeah, Batman. the Bill Finger one. Yeah, yeah. The, the one about mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, he's in there for sure. Um, and he's just he's he was a, always a very interesting guy to listen to talk because he had a you know a lot of history and a lot of knowledge and a lot of that kind of stuff. So um, so yeah, uh, I think I read that he basically he's only survived by uh his son um who is also in the comic book industry so um <coughs> excuse me sad day for the comic book industry but uh thankfully you know his work will live on uh forever so good stuff there um yeah so there we go episode there it is. 42 42 of the Helen Nerdy podcast is now officially in the books there it um, is it took us longer than we were hoping to get there um but we're glad we're able to um i think as I uh, struggle to sign us off as I usually do here, <laughs> you know, I think, you know, the biggest thing I want to say, I think for, uh, for everybody who listens to this show, first of all, thank you. We appreciate you. I'm glad you're here. Uh, we're Thanks. glad you're, we're glad you're here. Um, yeah, thank you. It, there's a lot of ways you could be spending your time right now. There's a lot of ways you should be spending your time right now. Um, and the fact that you take some time out to listen to us is, is very, very much appreciated. Um, I would also say that, um, Please, please take some time to listen to each other, to um, acknowledge one another, to um, treat each other uh, the way you would like to be treated. I know that's a, just like the oldest adage in the history of old adages, but you know, um, it stands. It stands the test of time. It, it's a, it's something that we should all aspire to. Um, there's a lot of negativity and hate and uh, awful things going on in the world right now. And I think it would be um, to everyone's benefit for you to all uh, to be nicer to each other. Um, and be nice to yourselves too. You know, a lot, 100%. Of, a lot of the things that I, I think that uh, people uh, can afford to do, you know, nowadays with, uh, with self quarantining and, and, uh, and uh, just, you know, where we're at, in, in the state of the world is uh, we tend to lose sight of how we're doing if we're not paying attention to ourselves, especially our mental and physical well-being. And I think that it's just that much more uh, necessary and important to, to be able to kind of have that 
um, exercise and mindfulness. Um, and it's really only going to serve you and, and your community, uh, better, you know, yeah. the, the more you do that. And, um, yeah, you know, like Adam said, listen and feel your feelings and communicate and, uh, yeah, be kind to one another and yourself. Absolutely. And as always, stay hella nerdy. Yeah.